0: Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you plugging in for this episode of Hunt the World. I'm Brian Maiman, co founder of Rolling
1: Bones Outdoors. To my right, Brad Dana. Brad Dana. Speaking of the culture rich, Spearfish, South Dakota, right now. Oh my God. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Someday we're gonna do a podcast on Brad's <laughs> cultural development when I moved to Spearfish, South Dakota. That would be a NAT and a NAT's hind parts. Minimal, minimal. And across the table is Bleep, Bleep. Hey, doesn't uh, Ellis, uh, uh, DeGeneres, Ellen DeGeneres have a guy by the name of Bleep? No, isn't his music? Isn't I think it is Bleep. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, did you work for the Ellen DeGeneres show? It's a hostile work environment, I heard. To my left, the great Brian Martin. I got it. So anyway, how's Brian today, Mr. Martin? I'm okay. You're okay? <laughs> we don't want to bleep any of that you're stuff You were pretty intense before this. You had a lot of meetings. You're getting ready to get out of Dodge. So it's down to the wire. You're. I'm always down to the wire. You're 72 hours. You're 72 hours before leaving into the wilderness for Well, technically I won't be this leaving the wilderness. I'll so be going to the desert first. Yeah.
2: yeah. Twenty-three years. Oh, that's for right. Because an you're going,
0: hunt. you're going to your antelope hunt. But anyway, you're getting ready to be gone for six weeks, seven. I was weeks. getting ready to
2: be gone about ten days ago. The I flight know. got canceled.
0: So, but I've noticed you've been intense today. Very intense. Not tense. Yeah, a lot but of intense. calls. A lot of calls. Getting
2: banking done. Trying to get, done, stuff, trying to get st-
0: all stuff done. Yeah.
2: Like Roosevelt elk stuff. Calling and, 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 and uh, talking to one of my Canadian uh, hunting buddies that was going. Brian hunting. Martin
0: in his short conversations, kind of like an oxymoron.
2: Yeah, that's kind of like a BLM guy passing the high IQ exam hey that's not even fair i am blm but that is a not count you don't brian
0: have- lee mayman see people go people said you can't use that anymore i said bullshit i i'm i'm equipped i i am by law bound to blm boom brian lee mayman it's the way i roll so anyway hey we're gonna talk about marco are we talking about argali's or marco polo
2: well argali a Marco Polo is a type of an Argali. There you go. It's so like talk elk, about right? You got rosies, you got tulies, you got Rocky Mountain. So we're going to talk
0: about argalies today. Oh. Is that right?
2: Do you know anything about argalies? Oh, a couple things.
0: How many days do you think you've created a mental mindset that your mental status today has been created by being in the wilderness and on the mountain by yourself alone. Well there's lots
2: of things that have created my mental mindset. Yeah, 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 my yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And I think there's there's, there's, they're there absolutely so I believe your mind's a muscle and what you feed it and how you work on it, it helps it grow and I think all you sheep hunters have a few things in common, but being alone on the mountain for that many days and all this time um, I haven't met too many of you that when you get on the phone don't like to talk And there's some characteristics that
1: are common. Sheep fever? Sheep fever. We talked to another sheep outfitter, and he was wordy, I would say, today. Yes. (laughs) Wasn't he?
2: They're all wordy. He just
1: came. He just got cell service, man. I got to talk. They're all wordy. Is this your
2: doll sheep outfitter, friend? No. No.
1: It was Aaron? It oh
2: yeah, Aaron. oh yeah. He talked to me. We and talked for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. He talked Two to me of too. you talked
0: for two hours, and the funny thing is, you both just talked, and nobody heard each other, but you used words because you're sheep hunters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No argument either, is there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got five minutes. Go. Exactly. Okay, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in. The, I've, I've been in the wilderness with my horses and and and, and my gear. So anyway, yeah. let's talk about our. Well, especially
2: when you got a guy like I was talking to a BC hu- resident, a hunter friend of mine. He's been hunting stone sheep for twenty some years as a resident, and so we were reminiscing about places to go where there's too many hunters, where there's not, where the animals are still big access points, how to get there, jet boats, airplanes, uh, backpacking, you know everything. So we right. were trying to just come up with a good place for him to go. Good conversation. So I have a question.
0: Let, let's do this. Actually, not a question. I have a suggestion suggestion mm-hmm. let's do this define an argali yeah let's do argali size uh species size price physical ability and that exact order mm. it's kind of like we did ibex it would be really nice let me break it down i but thought it was good
2: Argalies are actually in a, in a closer proximity to each other they're not spread out like ibex uh, we don't have any Argolis in north america unless you consider the chadwick ram argali the only true 50 inch ram on both horns that is at least still still uh, salvageable. Um, there's one other 50 inch ram in the w- in uh, British Columbia they said a big horn that uh, got burned in a fire but outside of North America is where the 50 inch rams live. 50 inch rams are not in North America. Um, so Argali is basically a, I, if you wanted the definition I don't know I, I would call it a big curly horn animal that's along the China border and with all the stands and Mongolia bordering those countries. Um, basically they go as far west as Afghanistan and they go as far east as Mongolia. Um, and most of the species of Argolis are in China. Again, like we talked about with the Ibex, all the species that are in the stands are also in China, plus a few extras. You, you have Argolis. So in the countries that have some type of argali is you have Afghanistan, which as far as I know, they have the, uh, they have the um, Marco Polo. Have you ever hunted of, in Afghanistan? Uh, I have been on the border but I have not hunted it. But we see animals come across. We've watched Marco Polo come across uh, the border of the river there on the Wuhan corridor, and they go from uh, Afghanistan into uh, Tajikistan because there's more ewes, and it's better uh, winter range. And so the ewes will be in Tajikistan, and the big rams sometimes come from Afghanistan. So that's why where we hunt, you can always have giant rams that come across from Afghanistan, and we've seen them many times crossing. And if you drive the roads after a snowstorm, uh, it's not uncommon to see rams uh, tracks come across. Uh, we even found one. We went, we hunted one night, and then the next morning we went up that same uh, road, about three quarters of a mile, a mile from Afghanistan. There was a dead ram. It probably came in from Afghanistan. Was still low, and the wolves caught it before it got to elevation. So it was probably like about a, I don't know, 48 inches. Not a big one, but I had pictures of it. The whole thing was totally eaten uh, in one night. Totally gone from from whenever we went through there in the dark until daylight the next morning. the, the whole Marco Polo was gone. So, if you start, I guess we, well, I could, let's start with the biggest ones. The biggest Dargollies are the High Altai and Mongolia. And, you know, the world record pickup, I believe, is about 72 inches, wow. 70 72 inches. Um, the world record hunter kill that I know of for length is around 67. Um, but, but it's like all sheep, they're scored. By a base and circumferences around the horn, so you got four quarters, and so because of that, you can have a ram that's not as long, that scores better than a long ram that's skinny, because you got a quarter measurement. Starting, at, let's say it's a 60-inch horn. So at zero, you have the first ba- you have the base measurement. The first quarter is at 15. The next quarter is at 30. The the third quarter is at 45. And of course, you don't measure the tip, but you take the longest horn divided by four, and that's your quarter measurements. Uh, so that's how you get rams that score over 200. Otherwise, an ibex, you know, you got one base and you got one length measurement. A giant ibex is in the 130s because it, it can be a 50-inch ibex with, say, 11-inch bases. And because you don't have the quarter measurements, they'll never hit 200. Um, but your Argolis, your world record, is in the uh, 260s range. Um, so that if that, comparing it to a bighorn, the world record bighorn hunter kill was about 209. The world record uh, pickup bighorn, I think, is 213 or 214. Uh, you look at the world record stone is 196, the world record doll is 196, the world record desert sheep is 205, so it gives you an idea how much bigger that is. You're talking instead of a 16, 17-inch base on a giant bighorn, you're talking 20 inches to 22 inches, um, and that mass that carries it out to the end, and on a, on a golly it grows very much like a bighorn. After about 10 years old, 11 years old, the chance of them living past that is rare. So if you see an Argali and he's 10 years old, there's no reason to save him usually because he might not make it because either the wolves, usually the wolves will kill them or they get sick enough that they just don't make it. It's hard to walk around with that big of horns on their head. Um, so anyway, a ma- massive animals. So the big high altar Argali's in Mongolia on the western side. Seriously, it wears them out. Oh, yeah. You horror. think about a horn. I, I, what do they I, weigh? I, what does one weigh? Depends on how much body fat they have. I would say they fluctuate from a, a no, small. No, no, but one the, horns, the horns, the horns. Oh, the They're horns. horns what? Well, I can tell you. Well, re- actually, the body size pounds. too would be nice. To know. I can yeah. tell you a, a, probably a 240-inch high-alt air galli horns. Just the horns in the skull would be in excess of 40 pounds, maybe 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I know for a fact a big Mont- Montana bighorn that's like in the say a brakes ram that's in the high the, the you know 204 to 208 inches in that range is going to be around 40 pounds for the horns and the skull. Like a stone sheep, doll sheep, probably going to be in the mid-20s, you know, um, so big. I think that the, the, the new world record um, doll sheep was just, well, not world record, but let's the, the, say the, last, the biggest ram, second biggest ram killed probably in the last 40, 50 years was killed this year. And uh, he's just the horns and the skull was about 30 pounds. Wow. Mid-180s mid ram. So, like a, a normal whoa, whoa, whoa. stone sheep.
0: What do you mean mid-1? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, 30 pounds. Yeah, 30 pounds. So, 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 so a, what do you think? Uh, I've, or, uh, 40s, 40 to 50 pounds. Oh, They're not so quite as heavy. If you had a 200-inch stone sheep, well, let's say a 200-inch bighorn, and you had a 200-inch argali, the 200-inch uh, bighorn will weigh more. How, um,
1: how big was that one that you shot last year?
2: Uh, well, it was actually... Was that, that two years, years three ago? Three years ago now. was it three two, years 2017. ago. 2017. that far? Yeah. How big was um, that? That was a big one. 64 inches, 15-inch base, and scored 228. Wow. So the world record um, Marco Polo, I believe, is around 250, at least in the high 240s. Uh, anything above, say, 225, 220 is world class for Marco Polo. And
1: that's a pretty civilized time.
2: Uh, not really. It can be. I mean, there's uncivilized and civilized. Uh, the Argali's in Mongolia are more uh, easier and less elevation than. Um, so, typically, the bigger your animal, the easier it is to a certain extent. Um, so, your Argali's in Mongolia, in my opinion, are quite a bit easier than a Marco Polo because you're a lot less elevation. Your right. high alta Argali kind of go maximum of 11, 11.5. Most of them are shot between, say, 95 and, and say, eleven. Um, and then you're not carrying around a 50 pound pack. Any place you go in the rest of the world, you don't, you have cheap labor and you have lots of local guys that are willing and uh, wanting to help you. You know, it's not like Alaska where they got a huge bush plane flight and if they fly a packer and it's two grand for the packer and a thousand dollars for the plane and more food. And so pretty soon you have a $4,000 expense for one extra person. Right. Here the, the, the extra person lives down the road someplace and has some goats or sheep or horses close to you. And he knows the area well, and he comes along, and the, the the wages are cheap, and the food is cheap, and and you drive there in a jeep, you know, a right. Toyota, so it's quite a bit easier. But you know, you so anyway, with Mongolia, you got the three species of argali. They actually say there's a fourth. They call them in the north uh, a North Altai now, which is I don't know. That's kind of like me calling an, a Yukon stone uh, different than a BC stone. So I don't really know. I'm I'm not really a species guy, but some of the guys that want to hunt another argali in in Mongolia. And there's a certain region to the north that they would say so they say they're a northern argali, uh, and then you got the hungai argali, which is kind of a hybrid. Or it's c- the biggest ones are south and west of uh, uh, Bantar. There's a few just east of Bantar that are pretty good. Um, and then as you go further south, there's a line. It's either the 45th or the 46th latitude, and that's kind of the imaginary line. Anything south there is considered a, a, a Gobi Argali. There's definitely been documented cases where guys have shot hung guys that were they call them gobies because they're so close to the edge. But anyway, the true Gobi lives in the really desert environments and fairly low elevations, just like your Gobi ibex they're that four to five thousand range even maybe lower than four and, and the true desert, like the Gobi, and there's not much water. It's similar to hunting desert sheep in the U.S., and it's pretty easy. You drive and you park, and, you know, we um, we chase some rams for a few days on foot, and, and they're spooky. The Gobis are quite spooky. I mean, the Argolis in general are nervous and spooky animals because they run to get away from people. They don't have any tree. Mongolia is almost void of trees where there's any sheep. Um, so the Hungai is, uh, you know, so Gobi Argoli hunts for, say, that 70 to you might find one sometimes for sixty-five, but let's say seventy to eighty thousand for your gobies. Your hung guys are you know ninety to one hundred and twenty thousand, and your high altes are one hundred twenty to one fifty. You can find them cheaper than that, but what happens is usually not very good quality, and you pay somewhat based on the size of the. They don't really charge you per inch or per centimeter or score, but the areas that produce better genetics, just like a good stone sheep area in B.C., might be $10,000 more than a crappy one. And a good dull sheep area with better logistics and bigger rams might be $10,000 more in parts of the Yukon or NWT than Alaska. So it's the same there. You you pay a little bit more, and you typically get an opportunity at a bigger animal. And then if you jump over uh, into Kazakhstan, which is a country bordering there, we have uh, like the Karaganda or Gali. Um, which is, I think, is a beautiful animal. It's a little bit that's orange. A um, there's a couple argali's in, in Kazakhstan that haven't been hunted for years, but the Karagan is my favorite one. Uh, it's 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 definitely has a corrugated type horn, which I mean, cor- has big ridges on it, and they also grow just like a high Altai. Um, I've seen a couple of giant ones in photos up to 60 inches, but typically that's a lower to mid 50s animal. Uh, your hungai argali, like a good hungai, would be 49 to say. 55 inches, but a really good one would be 52, 53. A super good hung guy, and then a great gobi would be high 40s, low 50s, and a medium one would be 43 to 47. Um, so guys, think the only ones that are really 60 inches on, you know, are the high altis, and they're still rare at 60. Anything over 57 is I consider a really good animal if he's old enough. Um, but I mean, c- right now in Kazakhstan, there's not really doing commercial hunting for the Argolis, but that's the plan. They're supposed to start, but with a COVID year, who knows how that's going to shake out. And then you jump into Kyrgyzstan, which is immediately below Kazakhstan and, 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 and west and south of um, Mongolia. Uh, that is a very popular destination. That's the imor- most affordable place to hunt your Argolis. And that's when you're, h- because the Kyrgyzstan argali in, in Kazakhstan is going to be about hundred grand. Uh, your Kyrgyzstan Argolis are between say 27 and 32, 33 grand um, f- for an, uh, an in, Ka- in Kyrgyzstan. Well, yeah, actually sometimes you can find them for 25 but basically, of you're, you're about a $30,000 animal with about a $5,000 trophy fee on an ibex so you're looking at a 35,000 for two animals you get a combo and huh? they're pretty good for yeah <laughs> and they're pretty good at rams Yeah, they're nice there's two there's two subspecies Forty six 52 uh, yeah we've got them bigger the biggest we've ever killed is um uh f- 61 on one horn the other horn is like fifty-six, wow. fifty-five. that was a giant ram um uh, the biggest i've ever seen uh probably 56, 57. What's the average? Um, the average, depending on the camp, depending on the miss rate, would be day in and day out, 47 to 49 um, with, with good hunters. And some camps might average a little less. Some camps, we've had years where you almost average 50. But to average 50 plus means no missing and guys that are really particular. So it's not uncommon to shoot 50s now. Usually if I go on a hunt and I have a good hunter that doesn't miss or is holding out for big ones, we turn down like maybe 50 rams. What was like Tracy's? Well, Tracy's was a uh, Tajikistan ram, so yeah, it's a totally different. It was 53, you know, wasn't it? 57.5. 57.5. The one he shot in, in uh, 57.5 to yeah, 58. seven inches
0: is a lot you're not familiar with.
2: But that's that, a Tajikistan I mean, ram, which is a...
0: you work in centimeters, but... Se- yeah. Anyway. But there's
2: two subspecies of rams in, in 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 Kyrgyzstan which are the common name for there is a Marco Polo. Um yeah, so so this is a Kyrgyzstan animal and uh, you have the east side, the southeast side is a is called the Karolini or the Tian Shan and then the the western side and so, and they're all along the southern border. Most of them are within 50 miles of China. There's a few that go north. Um, but this is called the Humiargali, which is again the common name is Marco Polo. And uh, basically, the Carolinis and the Tian Shan, which are, you know, the subspecies, uh, again, and the Humis are very similar. Uh, the the, the Tian Shans are a little smaller on average. Um, but most of the time, they ma- the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service wants Americans to bring back the Humis. And so a lot of your Tian Shans are hunted by Europeans and Canadians. But really, genetically, there's not a lot of difference. There's a few isolated herds of the Tian Shan and Carolinis that I've seen um, you know, further away from the border, that would be probably more of a true subspecies. But I, I mean, to me, where the boundary is, the artificial boundary, is kind of like, I mean, the difference between a mule deer and a blacktail, like around Medford, Oregon, I mean, they're kind of the same. And then not until you get true to in the coast range, you have a blacktail, kinda not until you guys.
0: a versus a Canadian. It's kind of like a shiris moose
2: in southern Canada. Yeah. I mean, at what point do they go from a shiris to Canada? There's not really a distinct difference. You can tell the difference. Like, oh, that's a shiris. Now, if you come down here to Wyoming and you go up to the Yukon, border with bc you can see a big difference right they're very black versus brown so that's another thing you're looking at and then so kyrgyzstan is a horseback type hunt you know very affordable like we said i mean you're not you're i mean a mountain goat uh, or a caribou and a a doll sheep is the same price as a um a caribou caribou and a doll sheep in the northwest territories is more expensive than an ibex and a and a a humi or Gali or in in, uh, in kyrgyzstan yeah, <coughs> and then if you jump south, southwest, and again you, you're uh, along all this area is China. So China, we see the Rams in China all the time. We hunt really close to the border, usually anywhere from a half mile to 30 miles from the border. That's where we do most of our hunting, and then you jump south into Tajikistan, and uh, the the town that's closest to Tajikistan is Osh. They used to go in from Osh from Bishkek and then drive into Tajikistan. Now we go from Dushanbe, and uh, Tajikistan is they only have one species, uh, the Marco Polo. Uh, The true Marco Polo, but honestly, there's a couple different size classifications in my opinion. There, there's certain areas that just you're never going to shoot a 64 inch, and there's other places where they've killed 70s. So the world record, the world record T and Sean or Hume. Well, I don't, you can't say it. Both T and Sean and Hume in Kyrgyzstan, I've seen over 60 inches, uh, and like hunters that have shot them, or I've seen pickups. But Khan is 64 is about as big as I've ever heard of or seen in Kyrgyzstan. And Tajikistan, the world record pickup. I believe it was from Afghanistan near the Tajik border. Of, I think it was 77 inches. Wow. The biggest I know of hunter kill is 70.
0: 77 inches.
2: Hunter kill, legal hunter, hunter Hunter kill is around 72 and a half to 73 and a Which quarter. Which species was the one you shot, the big boy? Uh, it's just a standard Marco Polo in Tajikistan. It's a true Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. And that was 63. Uh, 64, and it was 15-inch base, so not huge bases. Kyrgyzstan rams, for example, can be for anywhere from down, I've seen them down to around 13 inches a good base is 14, 14 and a half. 15 is so, exceptional, so and 16 is So compare that class. to a doll sheep. A uh, doll sheep is 12 to 14 and a half inch bases. Once in a while, you'll get a 15. So they're similar. Well, fi- yeah, a 15-inch doll sheep would be, like, one of few in the world. and a thir- So a 13-inch doll sheep would be similar to a 14-inch Kyrgyzstan, and a doll sheep, let's say, averages 37, um, and an average Marco Polo is 47. So, I mean, and the average Tajikistan Marco Polo at our camps is about 56. So so you're averaging between 7 and 10 inches bigger on a a Tajikistan ram. If you go equal area, I want to say, let's say all of Tajikistan average is probably 54 or 55, and all of Kyrgyzstan area is probably 47, 46, 47. If you compare it, every animal shot and threw out the two, two biggest and the two smallest and, for mistakes. And
1: these are bigger body, three three hundred fifty yeah. to four hundred. Yeah. Well, pounds. we were
2: talking about how big also the high alt high are. I don't think they're over five hundred, but I know they're over three fifty. And I say a high altar argales probably normally four hundred. But what are their bases? Aren't they like that's eighteen? twenty to twenty, 20 two. Um, and the gobies can go Holy down to fifteen. smokes! So your Marco Polo and Kyrgyzstan are again. 13 to say 16. The biggest I've ever measured in Kyrgyzstan is 16 and three quarters. The biggest I measured in Tajikistan is 16 and seven eighths, but I know guys that have killed 17. But average in Kyrgyzstan is, again, probably in the 14s. And the average in Tajikistan is in the 15s. So anything that's over 16 in either country is a freak. Um, And like we talked about, the length is much easier to get 60. It's really hard. We've only ever killed 160, and we had a hunter miss. uh, For sure he missed a 59 or 60 years ago. Hard shot. His rangefinder wasn't working. He had a guess. doesn't have much of shooting experience, but he shot a 58-inch um, Tajikistan ram with me that year, the next year, and he said that was smaller than the one he missed. And he, and both him and the guide told me it was a 60-inch Kyrgyzstan ram, and that was the same valley that the, one of the world records was killed. It was 64 for Kyrgyzstan. Do you have a camp in that valley? We don't hunt it much anymore. Uh, there's not enough morcopole there or the humi there. Um, but so the Tajikistan, again, you got the big Argolis, uh, which are the Marco Polo. It's the only species of argali in Tajikistan. And if you jump north <coughs> into Uzbekistan, there's, um, I think it's called the Sevastol argali, and it's also about 100 grand. I mean, personally, unless you're a guy who's trying to sh- hunt all the sheep of the world, it's too expensive to shoot in a sheep of that size. But that's most of your Argolis and that you can hunt, and then you have a whole bunch of Argolis. If you go on to Grand Slam Club Ovis, which is, I believe, wildsheep.org, uh, you can go there, and also Safari Club has some stuff. But Grand Slam has the best uh, system of breaking down where all the animals are located based on maps and horns You know that tells the average horn size and what they look like and, and, uh, and all that. And But there's like between 10 and 12 species of Argolis in, in, in China alone. So they're going to have a couple of the Mongolian ones. They're going to have, the I believe, the Karaganda. They're going to have the Humi and the Tian Shan. They're going to have the Marco Polo. And they're going to have other ones uh, like Linneldale Argolis. And um, I don't remember all the names. Uh, they have, I think, the one that's in Uzbekistan, too. So that's kind of your Argolis of the world. They call it the Great Ark of Wild Sheep, if there's a book that was written. <clears throat> and there's another really good book called Wind, Dust, and Snow.
0: What's that called? The Great Ark? Great Ark of Wild for a Sheep. Book. The Great Ark of Wild Sheep. And that so shows
2: So it's basically a big arc around China. Uh, of and then they also have blue sheep and stuff, which in the Himalayas. But all these big argalis all kind of connect. Once you leave that area, you get you can have Uriel sheep in other parts of Europe. You know mouflons. You can have your blue sheep, in the Himalayas and China and Nepal and Pakistan. But these argalis live along that that big. You got the Tian Shan mountains and the Premier mountains mainly have them, and then the mountains that are in um, in China. So that's your arc of argalis, and um, I mean a. Yeah, I mean they're just amazing animals. I mean, for me, a Kyrgyzstan ram is still probably the best valued argali. And uh, Tajikistan, if you're a fit hunter and willing to hike a little bit further, um, is is I, I think a great hunt. There also are some camps that do a lot of road hunting for them because with the jeep access, you can drive around and um, you know there's a little bit of run and gun hunting in some camps. We try and park, you know, our area that we hunt mainly. You can't drive that much in. You can drive the valley floors and look up. So. We'll get out and drive and park in the glass, and then we'll go hunting and hiking for the day. So you might have a three-mile. The hardest day I've had there was 18 miles, which is terrible when you're starting at 12.5 and going up to about 16-something. I mean, it's about as tired as you're going to get. You're going to burn probably more calories there than you would on a backpack stone sheep hunt because of the cold and the elevation. And so the season dates is like its northern hemisphere. Your Argolis are anywhere from down to about the 39th latitude in Tajikistan all the way up to not quite maybe close to the 50th in Mongolia. So it's not a very big section of ground there. You're talking between, you know, about 10 10 latitude that your Argolis are in. Um, you know, and so they are very much you can see any argali you see you can tell this the common horn size. I'm sure they could all interbreed if you wanted them to. And there's another subspecies of the argali they call it the Madison argali which I don't know depends on who you talk to it's in Tajikistan. I Personally, I, I don't really sell those hunts. It's just kind of a broken-off, groomed-looking uh, Marco Polo that they think maybe one of the other rams from another species of Argolis in China uh, came in. A few of them came into that part of Tajikistan, and you have them kind of thrown in with a group because they typically broke, break off and, and, and don't finish 50 or 51 inches. They're usually, say, 43 to 49 inches, and they're heavy, and they, they're usually 16-inch bases, and um, I've seen them, but I don't even pay attention to them because I'm looking for something that's cool looking. So the concern is that that genetics trait is a very dominant ram and they could get passed on more strongly. But I don't know. I don't really see it being a problem yet, but who knows. But that is another subspecies of Argolis. And if you go back to how we hunt them in Kyrgyzstan, it's almost all horseback hunting. If you can ride a horse, you can kill an argali there. And Mongolia, we use horses in the high Altai and the hungai and the gobi, we normally use foot. And then in Kazakhstan, you're going to have horse and and foot. And then in Uzbekistan, probably mostly foot and some horses. But they're not really as hard of hunting. And in general, the Argolis as some of the other sheep in North America. You like your snow sheep in Russia, your stone sheep in North America, your doll sheep require more miles and more backpacking. These countries have more access. So it's not quite as physically demanding, in my opinion. Um, Just the high altitude and the cold. And they have long hunting seasons. Most of these areas, like Mongolia, starts in July. Uh, most of the other countries start in mid, uh, mid to late August or early September. <coughs> Only Kyrgyzstan really stops its hunting and the end of November. And Tajikistan, some of these other countries, you can hunt them in January and February also. Oh, that And also cold. December. Depends. Like your Ural hunting, which is obviously not in Argali, is not very cold. Um, But you wouldn't want to be
1: at 14.5 in January.
2: I have many times. (laughs) (laughs) But it's cold and dry. I'd actually rather be in that than that cold, wet, nasty Alaska in September when it doesn't know if it wants to freeze or thaw and when it's snowing and then rain. Spitting and sleeping. Yeah, that's harder. to. At least over here, we can come back to a cabin. Or even if I crawl inside the tent, you don't have the condensation. You don't have the humidity. And so, yeah, your feet can get quite cold. But the rest of you, if you've got a good sleeping bag, you can spike out. I like spiking out in Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, but you have to have fairly tough hunters. Uh, they don't, this is really where gear is important. If you have a zero degree sleeping bag and it's minus 20, you're pretty well hooped. You know, you gotta go That's a tough sleeping night. on your clothes. Yeah, you That's gotta go That's a tough, prepared. tough night. So shooting you, is ex- more difficult. Yeah. North American sheep are easier to shoot for, yeah. for spookability. They're not as spooky, and the shootability is easier. Are
1: your guys that go over to Asia, for the most part, better shooters than what we sometimes see?
2: On average, if they're not, they're going to miss a lot. Right. Uh, I would say most your Asian hunters have more shooting experience and have you, been on North American hunts quite a bit. There's still some guys that I've had a couple hunters. Their first sheep was a Marco Polo. They they start sheep hunting later in life. They go, why would I book a fifty thousand dollar stone sheep hunt when I can book a four, say a thirty five to a f- so our Tajikistan hunt prices vary from forty seven five to fifty two around fifty thousand and with a combo. You're looking at 52 to say 55,000 for a combo, which is still if you look at a stone sheep, the good stone sheep hunts start at almost 50, and some of them are breaking 60. Your good bighorn hunts start at 40, 45, but most of them are 50 to 60. Your desert sheep hunts are 50 to 65 until you go to Tiburon Island, and then you're talking, you know, you're talking 80 to 90,000, hundred thousand dollars. So price basis uh, an argali outside of the high alt, so the ones you kind of want to avoid if you're on the budget-minded. Is the high altitude argalis and the Hungai's and then the keralinis, and then the ones in Uzbekistan. Um, those are all in that hundred thousand plus range. But some of your argalis, though, when you get them, can get them around that thirty to fifty thousand dollar range, compared to a lion, compared to an elephant, compared to a mark. were quite affordable, and there's nothing like an argali. I mean, argalis and argali.
1: So, if you were a little bit fiscally conscious, but you wanted to shoot a big sheep, what would you do?
2: Uh, if you're not fit, Kyrgyzstan for sure, because the horses, if you're fit, I don't mind dropping another fifteen to 20000 because the travel is going to be a little more expensive in Tajikistan, <clears throat> and the tips are a little more usually. You're going to go to Tajikistan, Marco Polo, hands so down. So Kyrgyzstan's just a, a, a Kyrgyzstan really good Kyrgyzstan is a great value. one, yeah, right. except if you want to challenge yourself physically and shooting-wise, then I would go to Tajikistan for the extra money. If
0: you were going to go just, okay, you could go do one over there, what would you do?
2: Um, If you can afford it, Tajikistan.
0: Tajik, okay.
2: If you can't hike very well, and the altitude might get to you, hands down, in Kyrgyzstan, because the altitude is a big difference. You the Kyrgyzstan, the highest we've ever hunted or shot them is in the thirteens. I've been to fourteen looking for them, but I've not killed them at fourteen. Uh, Tajikistan, we've killed many at sixteen, and we've we've uh, killed a few at sixteen three, and I've been at sixteen five, and that's legitimate sixteen five on a GPS. That's not like guessing. Sixteen five. Have you been on at seventeen GPS before? And, no, There's solid rock. You know, I, I, maybe the one place I went, there was some horse, there was some feed around 16.5 to 16.7, 16.8, but I've never seen feed at 17, at least in the mountain range I was in. There's other parts of maybe in, in this interior of Kyrgyzstan, I mean, Tajikistan, closer to what we call the Blonky Camp and uh, closer to Karakul Lake, a little bit higher mountains, further away from uh, Afghanistan, further away from the river systems. Maybe there's some places there, they'd be 17. What does the
0: altitude do to you personally?
2: this does the, thing, the same thing to everybody initially. It gives you less horsepower. Just like if you took your diesel truck without a turbo, went to high altitude, you're gonna, you might go from 200 to 150.
1: So I'd be okay.
2: Uh, you don't know. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You don't but, know. You but don't everybody's you performing. You're
2: running on about 40% less oxygen uh, than you would at sea level. I don't know the exact, about half. At some point. You're it, about half.
0: That mask that my kid bought to train himself when he was a college athlete. The hypoxia mask yeah. or whatever. Is that, uh, um, do you think that would help a hunter before you head over there? Some of
2: the guys sleep in a tent, so it simulates a whole night of sleep at high altitude. So I think anything can help. What do
0: you mean they sleep in a tent with that on?
2: They sleep in a tent that's a hypoxia tent. It's a high altitude type oh. tent. So it reduces the amount of oxygen, so your body gets used to high, less oxygen. But the mask, if you want to perform yourself, they actually have a machine Not a mask, but like a machine tied to a mask, and you put that on while you're sleeping. And If you really want to simulate it properly, that's what you'd use. It's the
0: sleeping that knocks you out because you don't rest as well.
2: No, when you're sleeping with that mask on, it's like simulating you sleeping at high altitude, your body starts to produce more red cells. And so when you get there, you have a a more red cell count in your body. Because it takes you, they say, about 2,500 feet a day is what your body adjusts to. So mm-hmm. if you came from 5,000 feet and you went to 15, they say it would be four days. So we would need five you days know what's basically is, from
0: here. You know what's funny is how yeah. legitimate that is, actually. I was talking to a college recruiter when my son got uh, recruited to play baseball. We were there and at the uh, gym, and we told him where we were from. We were from spearfishing. And, he, and the, the guy goes, oh, I, I have a lot of spearfish athletes mm-hmm. here um, that run uh, – um, that run uh, cross country track in college, and I love giving them scholarships if they're the right athlete. And I said, "Really?" So we got such we got a great program, obviously, in Spearfish for cross country. He goes, Meh, I don't know if you really have that great of a program, but what you have is you have kids that are used to running at high altitude, and they're bl- something about their blood, and they get here." And they live there, and they train there, and we try to train there as much as we can. Now we're only at fifty five thousand feet, basically, right?
2: We're not even that high. We're at thirty nine, I think. No, right? our, mm-hmm. our house, our my house is forty
1: five hundred,
0: and, and mine's. You're right yeah, there, too. Right I'm, right I'm, yeah. I'm so downtown,
2: downtown here, I is think it's I, I think
0: my office
1: is thirty
0: six hundred. Well. Oh, is that what it is? Thirty six hundred. So even you're at four thousand, right? So even so, you think about that thirty, 30 say thirty five to fifty five. Mm-hmm. Okay, is. Now we used to have a ski home up there in uh, at Terry Peak. Yeah, that's at seven thousand. Yeah, you run up the steps three times, and you knew you're at seven thousand. You know and what I'm 7, saying?
2: Seven thousand is not even gonna warm up for Asia. And, and that's right.
0: w- that's <laughs> what I was just gonna say. That's not even like a. It, and so here you are, but you think of the 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 effect that has. Here's a college coach recruiting kids because they're at a higher altitude that run all the time. And now you add that at 14,000 feet. Because what do you say the general day is spent at, 13 to 15? In
2: Tajikistan, you'd almost never shoot a ram under 15.
0: Yeah, see, I'm no like, kid. when you hunt in Colorado, yeah, it can kill 12, people. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, it has. Pulmonary I've never edema edema seen anybody.
2: There. You can get pulmonary edema and, and pul- pulmonary Pulmonary
0: edema? edema? Pulmonary edema. Pulmonary edema. Mm-hmm. That's like a doctor's And then you can term. get
2: cerebral edema, which is a problem with your brain. Brad's had that. Uh, most, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but pulmonary edema is a lung issue. will you water, that, you, that's what happens. You basically it's, drown it's, in your blood. It just grows so fast <laughs> so that it, they're swelling. No, that's the great
0: matter. Scott Palmer was like, <laughs> Mediman was like, "Hey, you've had pulmonary, cerebral edema, crap, huh?" And then he, and then Mr. Palmer got him through school. That's how it happened. <laughs>
2: I know Scott will be listening to this. Well, if you get if you get pulmonary edema, you're supposed to go down to nine thousand feet or lower. Hey,
0: Scott, that's a plug. You just go ahead and call me anytime you want to. You know, give me some dirt on Mister uh, Dentist here, <laughs> Big Brain Brad. Got pulmonary
2: edema. Yep. Yeah. And then a lot of times people will get diarrhea. And uh, I get
0: that when I, I eat I jalapenos anyway. So
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, I've I've modified my uh, uh, medical alabido-y. kit. No, no, my <laughs> medical kit. I've I've increased the emodium content in that. for Yeah, some especially of these if trips. you have
2: diarrhea, and you got to fly home on the plane for ten hours. It's not a good idea to ah. have this. Sh- <laughs>
0: um, so, so what's the what's the favorite? Uh, um, what's the favorite argali hunt that you've ever been on? I, I I watched those videos you sent to me well, the other I, day. I like the
2: high I like the high alte for the size of the Rams, right? But for the challenge a foot hunt for a, uh, Marco Polo is a hard. Was it she your sixty three sixty four inch ram? Was it your yeah, sixty four inch ram that would be like? I mean, yeah, that'd be like going on a date with Cathy Ireland when she's twenty three years old, right? So I mean, uh,
0: well, that's one way to look at it. Probably, yeah. Probably be like not honestly, it's out. like
2: having a Ferrari. I mean, yeah. Uh, right. I mean, it's. Uh, or a Bugatti or something hey, like that. Hey, go check out
0: – Go if you're listening to this right now, go check out our Instagram and scan back to Brian's uh, – I got his sheep on there where he's talking, and you hadn't even put it out on yours yet, I don't think, or if you had. Maybe it was, years ago. Yeah, but it was uh, – because you got it killed two years ago. Go check it out on there. Three, oh, And you'll see it where he's standing behind it. And it, Brian Martin's never – lost for words and you were lost for words magnificent animal brian magnificent yeah,
2: super animal. nice we chased that ram for five days and that's the longest i've ever chased one animal to kill it wow well congratulations wow. that's a well, stud. we we tried it i mean our client tried to get it and a couple times and we couldn't get close enough or after we missed it it was super spooky
1: exactly because we're getting jammed up we've got all these hunt plans scheduled and now this. Corona, the China virus is kicking our butts. Scamdemic. It's screwing up our plans. It's called a have...
2: scamdemic. Scamdemic.
1: Yeah, scamdemic.
2: Yeah, scamdemic. Scamdemic.
0: It's 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 so funny because because somebody said a while ago. I don't want to get. Yeah, we should talk about it someday. We should do just one on that. We should do a podcast on that because it's it's the respiratory flu. No, it's not. Now today, uh, CNN, it's a respiratory flu. You rap bastards! Three weeks ago, you said it wasn't, and that um, that uh, um, anybody that's affiliated with Trump should die from it. I mean, give me a break. Oh,
2: well, about the bikers and stuff like but that. But it's
0: okay because they're they're malicious Fine.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. We have two hundred and well, I don't know. I we don't know for another couple weeks. Something hey, has Donald Trump
0: Jr. ever shot in Argali? Uh, in Mongolia? Yep.
1: We'd already know if there was a spike. Our,
0: hey, our uh, I'm bouncing around. I just, that registered with my uh, slow It just brain. seven minutes later. Seven you, minutes later. Uh, you it, hey, it, that's it, it because our that's because our governor prays over our state every morning before she goes in the Capitol building, and because of that, we, we can't get COVID. It's so funny because hey, whoa! Will it, be interesting? To we let see everybody what happens, in our state. We, we have, never shut our state down in hmm. other than one sector uh, of a bunch of. Uh, um, uh, workers in a meat plant and not my meat plant but a meat plant right um you know we had no outbreak so mm, and maybe that's because we didn't spread fear anyway let's not talk about that but i wanted to answer that i have am opinionated ain't i so hey yeah. real quick argali argalis okay they're cool they're, they're, they're amazing they are cool. Super 60 cool. 64 inch ram congratulations
2: thank you that
0: thing would you think you'll ever kill a, a bigger trophy
2: I, I kind of know where to go to do it, but uh, the access is difficult, and I'll never kill though. one more handsome.
0: Yes. Sir. No, it was amazing.
2: I've never seen one any better looking than that. I've seen one or two in photos that I would that if you put mine beside it, I'd probably still shoot mine. There's one ram that was only 61 or 62, maybe 62 and a half shot by a Mexican that was probably, in my opinion, the the finest. I'll show you guys sometimes on my computer. The, probably the coolest looking Marco Polo I've seen. It
1: was, it was like my lab. It was almost yeah perfect looking.
2: Uh, well, it tucked in. The, the ram's even tucked in closer to the face. I like it when the ram's, the, the horns. My favorite is an Argali. And if I see a stone sheep, that way I call it an Argali, where it comes up high, comes down, and then it tucks into the chin before it goes out, and then it comes up by the bridge of the nose and comes back down again. And that's what I call the Argali. Like, and there's one Marco Polo that I, that I know that's like that. There's there's several like that, but there's one that's exceptional. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't shoot him even if there was a 65. He's too too unique. And that ram and my ram are the two favorites I've seen. No, th- actually, there was another one that I don't know for sure if the photo. I don't think the photo was doctored. Uh, it was shot by I believe a Russian outfitter that's over there. And if that's true, it's about 72 inches, and that's the finest one I've ever seen. Well, you well, you know, know what, Brian,
0: you've done an amazing job of yep. building relationships, knowing the territory. I would say one of the things that we, we uh, value, uh, we value a lot of what you bring to our company. We, we enjoy our partnership. Actually, I don't want to say that. That, that that word is lackluster of what it actually is. We love our partnership with you. And um, we, we love working with you every day. But one of the things I've noticed most about you, the communication that I've listened to, the way you approach hunting, the way you approach all of this, is that you test the area. You're, you're a no-bullshit guy. You want to get in there. You want to get after it. And you want to push the boundaries, if you will. We used to have a television show for a couple of years on the, out, the on the Sportsman channel called No Boundaries. Mm-hmm. And you're the epitome of no boundaries when you're out there sheep hunting and looking for territories and areas And so my hat's off and it's in my hand to you. And uh, um, I I, I appreciate that and respect that. And uh, um, it's fun to listen to you. I sit here and just idly consume all the knowledge that you're just dumping. So, um, man, I'd listen to this one. I will listen to this podcast two or three times, too. So we appreciate you, Brian. Thank you, guys. Yes. Any last comments, guys, before we wrap this up?
1: I, I, I want to just listen to you spit out that uh, website again.
0: No, listen. Info, <laughs> info at rbohome.com. It's info at rbohome.com. If you want more information about Asia, Canada, Europe, Russia, anywhere. Russia is in Asia. But anyway, um, uh, you want more information about a hunting area, hunting territory, and outfitter or a guide, go to rollingbones.com. Rollingbones.com. Check us out. And listen, if you want a bunch of value, click membership, become a member and uh, we will make sure we do your applications we'll make sure we find the right uh, hunts for you Our, our best match service is amazing we have the first software in the marketplace that uses a compliant algorithm that every outfitter in there has had to comply to. So it's gonna match you based on your question, the answers to your questions with the right outfitters. Way better than the Google search, Dr. Google. Dr. Way, Google. Way better than any other software out there in the marketplace. That's what we provide to our members. That's the value we provide. Don't quit looking online. Quit wondering if it's the right hunter for you or not. Go to our overview, experience, gear list, and media section and on our hunt catalog and do a hunt plan, check it out, get your best matches today at rollingbones.com. Brad Dana, thank you. Hey, Great job Hey, the other today.
1: thing that's super cool with that membership that I think is gonna be really, really, really valuable is the video blog stuff.
0: Yeah. Like that, that data, and all that
1: uh, how-to stuff. Yeah, it's pretty oh, cool, Hunt flex. gonna be awesome. Amazing, yes.
0: Yeah, you brought it up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So anyway, all right. Um, Brian, thanks again. Appreciate you. Give us a call also. We will answer the phone, 605-644-8000, 605-644-8000. Be safe, stay healthy, and remember, Americans, Scandemic.